welcome to the Voices for Voices TV show and podcast. I'd like to ask you to subscribe, join, like uh, this episode and other episodes of the Voices for Voices TV show and podcast uh, so we can reach uh, as many people as, as possible and in turn help as many people as, as we can with my goal being to uh, help uh, three billion people over the course of my lifetime and beyond. So a pretty, pretty big goal and we can't do it without you. Voices for Voices is the number one ranked podcast TV show where people turn to for expert mental health, recovery, and career advancement intelligence. Our Voices for Voices TV show and podcast is all about teaching you insanely actionable techniques to help you prosper, grow your self-worth, and your personal brand. So if you're a high achiever or someone who wants more out of life, whether mentally, physically, or spiritually, please make sure you subscribe to our TV show and podcast right now. So as you can see, the Voices for Voices TV show and podcast publishes episodes that focus on case studies, real life examples, actionable tips, and into trenches reports and interviews from subscribers just like you. If that sounds like something that could help you grow personally or professionally, then why don't you join me by joining us and subscribing. Again, on all social media channels, uh, YouTube, we just added Vimeo, uh, and all audio platforms where you uh, consume podcasts and in, in your, uh, uh, in, in your, your content that ways. Uh, Something new for 2024 is uh, we are also doing a Facebook Live every other Friday uh, called the, the Bite Weekly Roundup where we tackle uh, current events uh, that are happening in our community and our nation and, and, and the, in the world. Uh, coming up in October, as we do each year, we have our Voices for Voices, a brand new day gala. Uh, so keep your eye, eyes peeled uh, for that ticket information in, in the lineup that we will be having this year. Uh, and again, we, we can't do this uh, with, without your help. Uh, so you know, please help us by subscribing, sharing, liking, uh, commenting uh, on, on these uh, episodes. Uh, that we can greatly reach uh, more people uh, than if not. And if you or your organization is interested, uh, there are sponsorship opportunities available. Uh, so please reach out to uh, myself uh, or the Voices for Voices organization, whether you go through our voicesforvoices.org website or you want to reach out to me at president at voicesforvoices.org. And again, if you're able to, uh, we are a 501c3 nonprofit charity organization and we accept donations year-round. Okay, so this episode, uh, as all the episodes are, are very exciting, very informative, uh, but we're lucky to have uh, in studio uh, a couple of guests uh, who we uh, interviewed last year uh, with the Summit County Public Health Department, uh, sharing uh, information and stats and uh, different activities that the, the programs and projects are, are, are working on to help uh, make our community aware of what's happening with the overdoses and, and deaths and, and the like where uh, you know, there 
is, uh, I, I would say, still maybe a little bit of a stigma around uh, you know, with some of the content we're, we're covering. And uh, with one of the areas of Voices for Voices, uh, caring about all individuals and wanting to make sure that we are representing uh, all. And, and so making sure we, we cover this information, we get updates as we are uh, today, uh, how 2023 uh, finished up, uh, and then as we're in 2024, uh, the, uh, the great things that uh, we're, we're looking for. Uh, so in studio, uh, again, we're lucky to have uh, two guests. We have David McCartney and Megan Scott for, uh, for, for this episode. So thank you for joining us today. It's not a problem. Happy yeah. to be here. Thanks great. for having us. I'm glad to have you in studio. I had you on, on Zoom. <laughs> yes. uh, so this is, this is a, a great uh, change up. Uh, so I guess we'll maybe we'll start with the with the data uh, sure. since you uh, uh, you compile and, and look at uh, a lot of information and then make make sense of it to, to share. Uh, so maybe if you want to do a maybe a summary of, sure. of you know, last year, how we're looking this year, and maybe some goals and aspirations that sure. we have. Um, so when we looked at um, the total number of overdose deaths in Summit County for last year, for 2023, um, there's about 201 that have been confirmed. Um, that's as of today. Um, obviously, there are potentials for more to be classified as such as we move forward. But with the best of our ability, we're at 201 today. Okay. Um, most of those overdose deaths, you know, um, occurred within the ages of 25 to 44, um, which is, you know, not uncommon. That's what we've normally been seeing for a while now. Mm -hmm. um, and so, like, that's not shocking in any capacity, but, it, you know, it's the targeted population that um, we are focusing on. Not that there aren't other initiatives mm -hmm. happening in other age categories, but obviously the majority of them are happening there. That's where we're targeting. Um, this number is actually kind of down from 2002 number. There was uh, 214 overdose deaths in 2022, so a slight decrease. Obviously, we want that number to be zero, mm -hmm. um, but you know, a small decrease is still a decrease, and we're happy to see that. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of gender um, and sex, um, there's a disproportionate amount of overdose deaths that occur in males in Summit County compared to females. Um, you know, Summit County is roughly like 48 male, 52% female um, around there. Um, and then the overdose death population, it was 68% males and 32% females. So, you know, not an equal spread there. Um, when we look at the race of overdose death, um, the black population was slightly higher of those represented in overdose deaths, but still pretty similar to Summit County. Okay. Um, Summit County is about 77% white. Um, and so the overdose deaths, 72% of them were white, 25% black identifying individuals. Um, Summit County is about 22% black. Okay. Um, so slight disproportion there, but not terrible. Um, when we look at the number of zip codes um, that are the top 10 from 2022, um, the top five, four of them are the same as they were in the top five, different order, right. um, but still those same areas are still facing some sort of crisis that's happening. Um, and so 44306, 203, 314, and 312 um, okay. equaled about 73 decedents, which is about 30%, 36% of all overdose deaths. So if over a third of the overdose deaths were happening in four mm -hmm. specific locations. 
again, we're going to be targeting efforts in that area yeah. um, and hopefully make some sort of impact. We did that in 2022 mm -hmm. whenever we had the postcard campaign. Yep. Um, and so we targeted specific zip codes for that population um, that was seeing an increase. And you know, we had success with, you know, I can't mm -hmm. think Megan can talk a bit more about that yeah. as well. Um, and when we look at the drug of choice or drugs in systems, mm -hmm. um, for those who had overdosed, 82% um, of them had fentanyl. So that's about 164 individuals. Mm -hmm. um, methamphetamine was about 72 individuals or 36%. Um, cocaine was 60 individuals or about 30% of the population. Um, but you know those numbers obviously equal more than 100. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's possible and very likely that there are a lot of those that have multiple substances, polysubstance use. Um, and so 60% of all overdose deaths accounted had some sort of multiple substance in their system. Um, so that's about 120 of those individuals out of the 201. So a decent portion. Um, when we look at all those numbers I just went over are for the accidental overdoses. Okay. Um, sometimes there are cases that are identified as intentional overdoses. Um, and so there's not a whole lot in that category, so I'm not going to go over too many specifics mm -hmm. because it's not um, pertinent. Um, but there well, it's not, not pertinent, but it's not data safe. Like, I can't share a whole lot of that. Gotcha. Um, so there were seven individuals in that category. Um, but those are just the overdose deaths. Mm -hmm. um, and so when we look at overdosing in terms of ER visits, okay. we have to consider two different things. So this is the number of overdoses that are seeking medical attention. Okay. Um, and then there are also reporting issues um, with one system. Um, so we're not getting the full picture, but from what we have from a couple of the hospital systems, we can see kind of what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, so when we look at overdoses in the ER, um, when we look at age, we still see 25 to 44 mm -hmm. being the largest population. Um, it's about 60% of the total number of overdoses that are count in the ER. And if we look back at the overdoses for overdose deaths, it's about 54%. So still like that big swath there. Um, when we look at sex, it's a bit more equal and representative of the population of Summit County. Okay. Um, still disproportionately heading towards males, um, but it's 43% female, 57% male. Mm -hmm. So not as much as the 32 and 68 as we saw in deaths, but still a disproportion there. Um, and then when we look at race of ER visits, 70% um, identified as white and almost 30% identified as black. Um, so again, a much larger um, disparity in ER visits when it comes to the amount of population um, that we see in those spaces. Um, I know I went over a lot of data very quickly. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Um, yeah. And so I would be more than happy to elaborate on any questions you might have about yeah. that or what efforts we're looking at to, you know, impact those populations. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we are starting to work towards a lot more partnerships for reaching out to the black community, mm -hmm. making sure that we are being very intentional with our efforts and that it is representative of them. Um, and it's not just 
we're here to save you, we're here to help you, but mm -hmm. more of an intentional let us walk with you. Um, and then we're also starting to spread our efforts into more LGBTQ mm -hmm. initiatives. Um, so when it comes to data for those populations, um, not all hospital systems, not all medical systems, not all data reporting systems even include that metric. Mm -hmm. So it's harder to capture that um, when you are looking at it. So unless you obviously that person is known or you can count that or it's reported in some capacity, um, Sometimes, for example, with the overdose deaths data, the medical examiner will have notes in there. So it could be described as there, but again, that's just the assumption. Mm -hmm. um, so it's very hard to track that as a specific category. Um, and so we're trying to figure out a way that we can start to improve that. Because we know anecdotally mm -hmm. those populations exist. We know that that population uses substances just as much as the general public, if mm -hmm. not more. So, um, and so trying to figure out the best way to do that, um, that's kind of mm -hmm. what we're working forward. Great, thank you uh, for, for sharing that information. Uh, maybe we can level set the, the viewers, the, the, the listeners on the sources of where you're pulling the data. And I'm, I'm just guessing that it's not one database that you're pulling that you're using a multitude. Yeah, we're, um, so most of it does come from the medical examiner's office um, okay. for, for that, for the overdose deaths. Mm -hmm. When it comes to overdose ER visits, that mm -hmm. comes from Epicenter, um, which is a data reporting system that most of the hospital systems and most medical systems report into oh. um, through ODH. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, we can pull that data mm -hmm. from what we can pull, but again, some issues are happening within medical mm -hmm. systems where they're not able to report um, so we don't have that full picture mm -hmm. so you know what we have on the dashboard on our website mm -hmm. it's only a glimmer of what we have mm -hmm. um, but then also again like I said those are only the cases that are reported for seeking medical attention mm -hmm. we also know that this community takes care of themselves and of each other and so you know reported overdoses that's a smaller number. There's a lot mm -hmm. more overdoses that are happening in the community yeah. than what we're seeing on the data reporting. Um, yeah. So you know, we have to take that with a grain of salt as well. Um, so again, anecdotally, we hear things from the individuals coming through the syringe exchange program at mm -hmm. Summit County Public Health. Um, we hear it from people who are ordering Narcan or Naloxone. Um, so you know, it's a lot. It's hard to capture the exact picture and put an exact number mm -hmm. on it, um, but we do what we can with what we know. And so we don't know what we don't know. <laughs> um, and so unfortunately, it would be great to have all that information, yeah. all that data um, in one central location, but we have to go with what we have. Go yes. with, yeah. yeah, and uh, I just thinking from a career aspect, and I, we may have talked a, a little bit about this uh, last year in, in season two, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of different industries, a lot of different jobs out there, and how the uh, you know, Summit County Public Health Department came to light for you, and, uh, and I'll let you talk about you know, the the tie-in, maybe not just having uh, it, having the position be a job, but you know, there's emotional ties to mm -hmm. you know helping the community and helping you know, talk about. Uh, helping the community heal but first we have to get to the heart of the issue the data to find out where we can 
help impact with with programs. Mm -hmm. sure. uh, so if you could touch on that. Um, so I've always wanted to help people. Um, and I knew growing up that ideally, you know, when you're a kid, you have all these big aspirations. Mm -hmm. And so med school was the dream. But during college, I found out um, that there are a lot of other ways to help individuals and help people on a larger scale than just an appointment-based type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and so I started my career working in LGBTQ health and sexual health, mm -hmm. um, and that was at Planned Parenthood, and then over to Canton City Public Health, um, where I worked in harm reduction as this coordinator for the syringe exchange program. I helped initiate um, HIV prevention medication efforts across my eight county region that I was mm -hmm. assigned. Um, and then during COVID, obviously, <laughs> that burned a lot of people out. Mm -hmm. So that direct service care um, was starting to be a little overwhelming for me. Um, so I still wanted to stay in public health. I still wanted to work in the harm reduction space. Um, but doing it now in the back end is a little bit more less taxing, yeah. um, but still allows me to use the skills and that I've learned to allow myself to still insert myself into that community, still have mm -hmm. an impact on that community through the grants that mm -hmm. I help write, through the data that I help look at, um, through you know stepping in when I need to on a bunch of other grant reporting systems or anything else. Um, and so, you know, in that aspect, you don't have to necessarily go through all those steps. Um, but, you know, that's how I kind of came to where I am. Um, and it's been a journey. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also, it's been a lot of fun. Um, and I have not regretted any single day of it. Um, so, right. yeah, you're making a huge difference. And in, in the community, and uh, I think overall we think about the United States a, a, as a whole, that the United States and other countries as well are, are dealing with some of the same mm -hmm. things, uh, and, and I, I just commend both of you on the work that you're doing because it is making a difference right here in Summit County, uh, in you know, Northeast Ohio. Uh, but the work that you're doing and, and the hope with uh, the, this platform is to be able to share that not only within the area, but across the country, across mm -hmm. the world, and, and hopefully have other cities and, and states and counties, if they're not already reporting and, and looking to help the community heal, uh, that have uh, your, your department and, and uh, be a, a kind of a benchmark of, mm -hmm. you know, here, here's what we're doing and here's what you know, we could share as, you know, best practices. Mm -hmm. uh, so I uh, wanna, wanted to, to, to share that. So maybe we'll shift gears a, a, a little bit uh, to Megan uh, about how, how 2023 ended mm -hmm. uh, and, and then uh, maybe some of the yeah. same programs and, and, and same goals for 2024 are? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so David handles a lot more of the data and the numbers. Obviously, he is great at that stuff, and yeah. I'm a little bit more programmatic. So mm -hmm. when I was here last time, I talked about our syringe program, our syringe services program, really all of the harm reduction work that we do. Um, in 2023, after we recorded the podcast, we actually were able to install two separate harm reduction vending machines, Great. which was an incredible success for us last year. Yeah. Um, one of them is at a treatment agency and the other one is in a municipal building in one of our cities. Um, and they have naloxone and uh, fentanyl test strips. 
Um, they have sharps containers that are small and easily hidden. Um, but we also included hygiene supplies. We know we have a large houseless population um, and people experiencing homelessness in, in our county. So we have hygiene, first aid, mm -hmm. um, menstrual products. We have all kinds of things in there that people can use. It's all completely free um, and available to the community. So those were a huge success for us. Um, we are hoping to get some more out in the community as soon as we can. Uh, I know you're going to talk to Maggie in another mm -hmm. episode about recovery-friendly workforce, so she'll have some great updates on that. Um, it's really expanded as well. Mm -hmm. um, but we also were able to distribute over 6,000 6, kits of naloxone throughout 2023. Wow. Um, and that's through a vast majority through our mail order and our syringe service program, but also the increase in partnerships that we had. Um, so through partners like the ADM, um, various different treatment organizations, uh, grassroots organizations, even businesses and uh, some of our criminal justice partnerships, they distribute naloxone for free to anybody who needs it at events or um, some police stations and fire stations you can just walk right into with no questions asked mm -hmm. and get a kit of Narcan. So. Um, kind of like David was saying, we tried to focus on specific zip codes and creating partnerships with agencies that work with specific populations, um, like our black population, our LGBTQ population, working with agencies that already have those relationships so that we can meet people where they are and ask them what they need as opposed to, you know, traditionally saying, here's what we have, come and get it, Kanye. really making, being intentional about providing services to people in a way that makes sense for them and in a way that they can grasp onto them. Mm -hmm. So our increase in partnerships allowed for uh, an increase in naloxone distribution and various other ways that we've been able to get out into the community. Great, and that's why I was, I was gonna ask, uh, it, it seems, the the movement is is picking up steam in a, mm -hmm. in a positive way of additional partnerships uh hopefully continuing that downward trend of overdose deaths just having that information available mm -hmm. that uh, i mean i talk about in my my classroom in, in marketing about you know having a, a brand and mm -hmm. you have to have that awareness first before you can get to uh you know the conversion or the actionable steps or the exchange mm -hmm. and uh, having a kit available or knowing that the community cares. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I, th I think that's, that's a big thing to highlight as yeah, well. I think so too. And it, I think um, one of the things that we do uh, is Nalox boxes. We've talked about those, I think, last time too, where mm -hmm. you can hang it on a wall. Uh, a community organization business can hang it on a wall. And they are wonderful to have, just like an AED in the event of emergency. One of the really nice things I like about them though is they also address stigma mm -hmm. in the sense that it helps to normalize the fact that just like any other medical emergency, we are acknowledging the fact that an overdose is a medical emergency mm -hmm. and that person needs medical attention and not to be stigmatized or looked at a certain way or ignored just because their medical emergency is different than a heart attack might be. So yeah. being able to place those Nalox boxes in places where people can see them regularly really allows to get that message out that this is a issue that can be resolved. This is something that somebody is enduring or suffering from and we can help them. Any lay person can help them um, and that's what we should do. Yeah, I mean, the hope is that we wouldn't have to use mm -hmm. those, uh, but in uh, reference to my own personal life with my, uh, my family, my, my father going on, on to, to hospice care, one of the things that uh, 
what was mentioned, uh, he may not need you know, certain equipment or, or certain medications right now, but the nurses feel like, hey, let, let's have them in, in the house yes. in case something happens in the middle of the night and we, we can't get, get there in, in time. And I feel like in, in a little bit of a parallel sense of you know, having yeah. those Nalox boxes that you know, we hope we never have to use them, but in case we do, we have that. And I think that's important yeah. for the community to, to know that uh, they don't, it, it, there's not a stigma by, mm-hmm. by having that of right. feeling like, oh, because I'm getting it means I'm going to use it or somebody right. in my organization or community. No, it really just shows that as an organization, you're supporting the community, not that you are a particular type of organization whatsoever. Um, and I think, you know, uh, I'm sorry to hear about your father oh, in hospice, but that is a great example of another way that we try to address stigma is that overdoses don't just happen to the stereotype that uh, some media likes to portray. Overdoses can happen to anyone who's on pain management. Mm-hmm. Overdoses can happen to anybody who forgot they took their medication this morning and take it again. So it can happen to absolutely anyone and judging someone on how they look or what we may perceive mm-hmm. of them um, really, you know, it isn't fair to the person, but it also isn't fair to our own perceptions of the people around us. So mm. we promote, um, there's several pharmacies that will give out Narcan to anyone who picks up a prescription of an opioid. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some pharmacies that have it for sale now that it's been approved for over the counter. Um, and there's a lot of different ways that we really just try to get the word out that if you have someone in your home who's on pain medicine, absolutely you should have Narcan in your home because it just protects your family member. Right. And it, and there's obviously accidental overdoses Absolutely. that happen and mm-hmm. can happen on college campuses mm-hmm. and, and some of these non-traditional ways of, uh, I think there's obviously the stigma in uh, overdoses and, and, and opioids and, and, and pain management. Uh, and then there's, I, I think, uh, another layer of, okay, it only happens in certain areas and mm-hmm. certain populations. Mm-hmm. While there is a majority, uh, you know, 25 to 44, uh, that they can happen and other to anyone at any time just like any other uh, mental health or medical issue it can be absolutely anyone and I'll even highlight some of the data that uh, David pointed mm-hmm. out about those poly substance uses mm-hmm. um, that is really important because I don't I don't think it is a shock to anyone to know that college students like to experiment a little bit mm-hmm. um, and what we're seeing is that sometimes um, people may not know what they're getting mm-hmm. right. so they could be very innocently being a 22 year old Mm -hmm. (laughs) and unfortunately get something that they weren't expecting. So that's just another area where we try to get the word out um, that protecting yourself is important and being aware of what you have is important. So we um, advertise our Narcan, but also our fentanyl test strips. Mm -hmm. So they can test whatever supply they have. Um, And that goes for any population, but yeah. I think we can we can all admit that the college students are going to be college students and there's nothing we can do to stop right. that. Yeah. Well, I hate to cut this episode short. Mm-hmm. I think we we still have some maybe questions we can talk about in a in another episode. Sure, so sure. we'll close this one out and then we'll we'll come back. Uh, all right. So for our, our listeners, our, our viewers, uh, this has been another episode of the Voices for Voices TV show and podcast. I'm your host, Justin Allen Hayes. We had uh, in studio here for the, this episode, uh, David McCartney, Megan Scott. They're going to join us for a uh, second episode. So keep uh, your eyes peeled for uh, part two of our, our, our conversation. So until next time, uh, please be a voice for you or somebody in need.